You are listening to Noteworthy Differences. Michael Laurent, also known as ML Ron, has published over 90 science fiction and fantasy books and self-help books for writers. He built a writing career publishing 10 to 12 books per year while raising a family, working a full-time job, and even attending law school classes in the evenings. Visit his fiction website at www.michaellaron.com and his resources for writers at www.authorlevelup.com. Welcome to Noteworthy Differences, Michael. Hi, Chris. Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. That's an absolute pleasure. Just I uh, wanted to briefly touch on, um, again, I did mention when I reached out to you that I during COVID time, I did find your channel and uh, it was quite helpful um, Yeah, getting sort of my inspiration into writing uh, going and reading more. But uh, I kind of haven't touched that draft uh, since midway 2020. So it's a kind of a, it's an old one, but I'll probably try vis- revisit it. Hopefully that file on Scriven is still um, active. <laughs> Hey, it's always there. It's it's there waiting for you to to pick it back up. Yeah, definitely. And um, we'll go into your uh, background and uh, your writing journey. Um, Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your background as an author? And uh, how did you get into writing? Uh, What inspired you? Sure. So I have always been a writer in my life. I always have written stories and tried to find unique ways of creating content. And I went to school for English. I actually was uh, an English major and graduated in, from college with a degree in English. And I, when I graduated, I wanted to be a poet. And I just couldn't imagine writing fiction. And I had a friend that said, oh, come on, man, that's, that's ridiculous. You, you absolutely can write fiction. And so he mm-hmm. dared me. And uh, if, if you've ever seen Back to the Future, like Marty McFly, I'm yep. not going to be called a chicken. <laughs> so I decided to write some short stories and I, I, I told my friend, there's no way I could ever write a novel. There's just, it can never happen. And so he dared me again and I wrote a novel and, you know, here I am 90 books later. And so uh, I, I got my start. Uh, you know, like I said, I've always been telling stories, but when I really started doing it professionally and seriously was in 2012. So I was uh, on a nice dinner with my wife on a Friday night. And, um, I fell ill later that night with what I thought was food poisoning and it was food poisoning and, um, went to the hospital and lo and behold, I was there a month. So I had food poisoning, but then I caught another condition while I was in the hospital and I could have died. And I remember Mm. being on the hospital bed and just thinking, what am I doing with my life at this point? I mean, I wanted to be a poet and wanted to sh- tell short stories and wanted to go after a traditional publisher and get a publishing contract. And none of that was working out. And I realized that, you know, this is, this is my opportunity. And I, I got this vision of, of me being a writer and I saw myself really, really happy. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do that. And right after I got out of the hospital, thank God I recovered. I was healthy. I've had no issues since. And I jumped into self-publishing. And the rest is kind of history, so to speak. And uh, could you tell or give listeners some more information about or general overview of the uh, writer's journey and author level up? Yes. So uh, the writer's journey was a podcast that I started in 2018. 
And I started it as a way to just talk about the things that I was struggling with as a writer. And I found that I was pretty good at podcasting. You know, when I published a podcast episode, people listened to it. And so I started talking about the things that I was doing as a writer and the successes I was having and the failures I was having and the things that run my mind. And I would just sit down at my desk and turn on the microphone. And every Thursday I would just talk for 30 minutes to an hour. And I did that for about three years and it's on a hiatus now because I, I was at a point where I, I didn't feel like I needed to do it anymore. It was in a way kind of talk therapy for me. It was a way for me to kind of talk out my problems and I was able mm. to kind of figure that out. And um, I have a YouTube channel and that's yeah. called author level up. And that is, you know, older and we can talk about that. I started that in 2014 and I still am doing author level up videos, but mm -hmm. um. I just do videos on writing advice, writing apps, um, thoughts that are on my mind about things like artificial intelligence and writers and uh, other current event topics. And uh, I've built up a pretty good community of of really, really good writers and a great community that's really supportive. So it's been great. Yeah. And then as, as I was saying before, yeah, like uh, even your six-year-old video still gave me some helpful tips. I'm not, I'm not sure about the analytics, but, you know, it's definitely a long-term game, isn't it? About to delete your channel, but then, you know, some guy from Australia is listening to the video six years later. It's like, oh, yeah, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> and then, you know, I'll exactly. reach out to him a couple years after that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's yeah. amazing how, you know, my oldest, some of my oldest videos have yep. gotten me speaking engagements even today. You know, videos I did back in 2014. People mm. have reached out and said, hey, we really like that talk. Could you do, would you like to come talk at our conference about this topic? And Was it one I, in I like Vegas you had recently? Yeah, I was in Vegas. Yeah, uh, that I, was I one heard of that them. one. Mm. Yep, and uh, I, I do lots of writing conferences every year. Um, I get lots of invitations. And um, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I like to think about every piece of content I make as a little employee. Mm -hmm. Just out there working for me 24-7. I like that um, perspective. Could we look at our book specific questions? Um, like looking back at, uh, could you share your writing process with um, with the listeners? And uh, how do you approach developing uh, characters and creating engaging storylines? Sure. I am what people refer to as a pantser, which means I write by the seat of my pants. Now, I shouldn't say that word because I know that in some parts of the world, pants means you know, underwear. Yeah. <laughs> so I should say I'm a discovery writer is what I should say. That's a, a less American way to say it, but yeah, I, I make things PG, up. Uh, Michael, yep. We got to keep it PG. <laughs> no, 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 I don't, no, don't, don't, don't want to get you in trouble. Right. <laughs> I don't want the, uh, the Spotify podcast police to come after you. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like to tell stories as mm -hmm. they come to me and all I need is when I, when I start a story is I just need an image in my head of, a hero in a setting with a problem. And beyond that, I have no idea what's going to happen in the story. I might, I might have some glimpses of things here and there, but I just start writing and, and I follow my fingers and I correct things as I go. And there's a method, it's called writing into the dark. That's by a gentleman named Dean Wesley Smith. He's an extremely prolific author and he's a mentor of mine. And he kind of perfected this process of, of what, it, what, what it means to write a story where you have no idea what is going to happen. And a lot of it is about faith. It's about having faith in story. And so it's really scary because a lot of people like to outline their stories because they know what's mm. going to happen and they feel like they have that security 
when they run into a rough spot because they always know what's next. And it takes an extreme amount of faith and courage in yourself and in story to mm -hmm. be able to throw that out the window. And I've learned to do that over the years. And so what I have found is that when I don't know what's going to happen in my story next, that's absolutely exhilarating for my readers because they're not going to know either. And so it's a, it's a fun process that I embark on. I've just Googled that uh, book actually by Dean Whistler-Smith. I might actually check it out. Yes. Because, um, yeah, when I did look into starting to get into writing, um, there was just a lot of uh, plethora of um, articles or just you know, any blogs and just telling people to outline, outline, outline. I like doing things on a whim. So I think this is probably my style as well. I've got to check it out. <laughs> just get into yeah, it, right? It, it, absolutely. And Dean's book is fantastic. I, I've written a book on it too. It's called The Pocket Guide to Pantsing. And it's kind of ironic that, yeah, it's it, I, I just find it ironic that a book on writing without an outline gives you structure, right? Which mm. is exactly the opposite of how you write when you write in this method. It's just it's a weird little conundrum. But I found that when people read how other authors do it, yep. it gives them some security and some knowledge of, of okay, yeah, I'm struggling at the at the twenty percent of my novel, but oh, it turns out. Every author struggles at the 20% of their novel. And I, not every author, but most authors do. Yeah. And that, that makes you feel better. It gives you some, gives you some confidence and strength to keep going on. Whereas you, if you don't have that, you feel, you don't know if you're doing it right. Right. And uh, again, that was the pocket guide to pantsing, how to write a novel without an outline with confidence in brackets. Yes. <laughs> by Michael yes. ML, also by ML Ron. Yeah. Okay. I might actually check that one out too, or first for yourself there, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. It, it was a fun book. How do you develop your unique writing style? What, what advice um, do you have for aspiring authors trying to find or yeah, trying to find their own voice? I think writing your own voice is well, difficult, but yeah, I think you just keep going, right? Yeah. Your voice is always there. It, yeah. th 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 there are two things that you could do. The, the, well, two things that you should do. The, the first is to write as much as humanly possible. And that's probably not a shock for anyone listening that for me to say that, to write as much as possible, because the more you write, the more you discover yourself, the more you become intentional about the stories that you tell. Because when you first start writing, you, at least this has been my experience, you, you write based on like what you think is going to work, but you don't necessarily know how or why it works. And so some of the things that you're doing will work and others won't work, but you won't necessarily know why. So the more that you write and study the craft, the more you realize, oh, that's how I'm supposed to introduce a character or, oh, that's how I'm supposed to end a scene. And you start to become more intentional. All right. So that's the first thing I, I would recommend that people do. The, the second thing I recommend that people do to discover their voice is to have fun. When you're writing, don't don't write stories that you're not passionate about, because readers can sense that in a heartbeat. If you mm. tell stories that you you love and you enjoy, readers will be able to feel that. And what I like to say is that when your soul is smiling, everybody can feel it. And so, write the stories that you love, have fun telling them, and it makes it a lot easier to connect with readers and tell better stories. And what makes a compelling protagonist or antagonist? Um, how do you develop complex and relatable characters? Yeah, something that that was taught to me that that has always 
been very helpful has been to tell the story through the eyes of the character. And the way you do that is by using the five senses. So putting the reader in the character's head and having them experience everything the character is experiencing through the five senses, it puts them in the reader's head and it helps it helps them see everything as if it's a movie in front of their screens, right? So I, I wrote a story once, uh, it was called The Last Dragon Lord. And it's about a bloodthirsty dragon lord who wants revenge against uh, the conspiracy that overthrew him. And I like to describe the the hero as one part Richard III, uh, one part Francis Underwood from House of Cards, and one part um, Smog from Lord of the Rings. So this is a pretty bad dude, you know, and pretty much everything he does is irredeemable. But readers have liked that main character because, you know, I put them in, in his head. They They got to live with his thoughts and they got to see the world through the eyes of a dragon. And if you if you do that with all of your characters, regardless of who they are, you don't have to write a dragon to do that. But if you park the reader in the character's head, it makes them more engaging and endearing, even if they're doing crazy stuff. And um, I actually saw that one come across my feed too, the uh, the Last Dragon Lord. I need to need to suss that one out as well. I think the what was your first uh, set of books that you wrote? Was it the Android? Yep. The- Hang on, what was that again? That was one of them. But my first, very, very first novel yep. was a book called Magic Souls. And Magic it was Souls. an urban, interactive urban fantasy novel. So it's like a, it's mm-hmm. like a choose your own adventure, but for adults. And, so okay. it's a story about um, um, a woman who makes a deal with a demon and it goes south. And it's actually a very humorous book. But um, what was yeah, the title so, again? Magic I'll just Souls. Google it. Magic Souls. Yeah, Magic Souls. And and it, there's actually like full-on decisions in the book. So like mm-hmm. with a choose-your-own-adventure, you know, you mm-hmm. read the book and you it, it's it, turn to page 73 if you want to go left, turn to page 74 if you want to go right, right? Well, I actually, I went I went further yeah. with this. I, I actually put like full, full-on decision trees into the book with multiple endings. And um, I, there's even a full game show in it where you're actually competing with other contestants and all sorts of like crazy stuff. And that was kind of my first, first ambitious novel that I tried to write probably bit off more. I could chew, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I was just imaging in my mind. It's like, you know, turn to page 62 and then it just tells you to close the book, go for a walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And and this was optimized for e-readers. So th- yeah. basically instead of turning it's to a page, hyperlink. you just tap. Yeah. Just, yeah. You just tap where you want to go mm-hmm. and it just jumps you there. And right. um, this book had thousands and thousands of pages. And um, they say your first book represents all your hopes, dreams, and fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, that definitely was true of, of this book for me. That's awesome. It's like, yeah, obviously like that Choose Your Adventure sort of video game as well. Uh, I yeah. Never actually, oh, no. Yeah, well, there are some kids' books in that genre. But, yeah, that'll be interesting, actually. I'll, I'll need to definitely check it out as well. And um how important do you think it is for authors to establish a strong online presence and engage with their readers uh, through social media or other platforms? I think it's absolutely critical, but I think it is different and specific to every author. So there are, like for me, for example, I, I'm in my element when I'm on a podcast talking to you or I'm on YouTube, like video and audio come naturally to me. And it just works out that way. But there yeah, are some people who it. really have some people who have no business being on a vid on camera, right? Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You just have to find like the the 
find the medium that works best that conveys your personality. So there are some people who do a really good job maintaining a blog. They don't want to be in front of a camera or a microphone. They just want to type. And that's cool. There's some people who do really well on TikTok. Other people do really well on YouTube or podcasting like yourself. And so uh, I just encourage people to find the, the, the medium that suits their personality so that when they do it, it doesn't feel like work. Because I think we get inundated with these, these pieces of advice that say you have to be on Facebook or you have to be doing video or you have to be doing insert social media network. And I, I just don't think that that's true. I just think you have to do what works best for you. Because when you do that, then it, it allows the, the medium almost disappears and it allows people to interact with your personality. You know, it, it, it instead of becoming a barrier, it, it, it reduces that friction and it makes people more likely to see who you really are and your personality traits shine through. And that helps you build a community and helps you build an audience. And can you share any details about uh, your upcoming projects or future writing goals? Um, what what can readers expect from you in the near future? Yeah, I'm I'm always working on a lot of things. I have uh, some videos on artificial intelligence coming out soon, um, and yes, how that is huge. going to impact writers. And I've done some videos on it. I, I think it's the most consequential, important thing that um, has happened certainly mm. in the last twelve years that I've been doing this, and so. I've been trying to get in front of it and try to understand it so that I can kind of figure out what the future of being a writer is. Mm -hmm. So that's one project. Uh, another project that I'm working on is uh, I'm working on my good necromancer series. So I've got a, a series of fiction about a, a necromancer who uses his powers for good. I'm about, oh, I don't know, uh, six books in. So I, I kind of want to try to get to nine books by the end of this year. And I'm going to experiment with some Kickstarters and some different marketing techniques than I've been doing uh, in the past. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. In addition to starting some new fiction series. Awesome. And I uh, wanted to quickly chat a little bit about AI, actually. I want to find out wait, maybe what, um, have you been playing with AI a little bit? Oh yeah, always. I, I, um, I, I've been using ChatGPT. Yeah. Um, I've actually built I've actually built some custom AI applications for myself um, to kind of get to get to know things on the backside. I've been using uh, Midjourney just for playing around, nothing crazy, but um, I've also been doing AI audiobooks. So I've turned my voice into an avatar and I'm kind of oh. feeding my books through that. Okay. So as a way for, because I've got a lot of like books for writers and yep. they, you know, it's expensive to create audiobooks. I mean, it, yeah. It just, it just is. And so it would be kind of, I think a great sample selling of audio, point. is it? Yeah. Yeah. It's a sample okay. of audio and people can listen to me narrate it. Wow. And I don't have to sit in an audio booth for mm. eight to 10 hours to narrate my own book. Cause when I do that, I'm not writing fiction. Right. So wow. uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. Yeah. It's incredible. And, uh, well, my experience with ChatGPT is interesting. I, have you, if you tried to write, then you like, or get it to write any short stories. I find it like always goes to the, the default once upon a time. And then there's like yeah. a bunch of cliches <laughs> and then it just, yeah. <laughs> cliche no, on cliche. It, oh man. Yeah. It, it's not writing fiction at a very good level now, but you know, mm. that's probably going to change. I, I'm not keen on using AI to help me write fiction mainly yeah. because of the copyright problem, at least mm. here 
uh, in the states because if you, you know, it's not settled right now that if you use AI to write a book, do you own the copyright or do you only own the copyright to the parts that you physically wrote? Yeah. What so about confusing. the the text generation? So you know, I I don't want to mess with that. And, you know, and so you know, I'm not doing that, but. Certainly using it to help me brainstorm, using it to help me solve problems. I've been using the um, the mm -hmm. different plugins and things to help me uh, edit my work. It's AI, like ChatGPT is actually a very capable proofreader and it can catch a lot of errors that current spell checkers can't. So that has helped improve the the quality of my work, certainly dramatically, even though I use editors. Um, but I've, I've been able to catch more typos before I send my work to the editors, which is great. Mm. So there's lots of use cases that, that you can use AI for that have nothing to do with um, writing a book, but can help save you a lot of time in the writing process and in the marketing process too. Can't take the human creativity out of the... Uh out of the human really, or you can't really replicate that so far, but um, yeah, definitely human ingenuity or creativity um, is a big thing for us, isn't it? So that's what we still have. We're holding on to dear life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's, it's important. And, you know, people are, are understandably experiencing all levels of emotions um, yeah. with this technology. And, and I think all emotions are valid right now. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be excited. I think that we just have to work together as a community to figure out what what future we want for ourselves and how we can use this technology to become better versions of ourselves because it's it's not going anywhere and we're going to have to learn how to make peace with it. Yeah, definitely. And so yeah, it seems like it's started to become more of a part of life now. But it's interesting too, because it's like, and just on the final point there, it's interesting because um, it's been around for ages. I mean, like all of a sudden this year, um, you know, it's just popped off and everyone's like, wow, AI this, AI that. Have you heard of ChatGPT? And, you know, this this technology has been around for a, quite a while. <laughs> but it's oh, it good. Happens. Everyone's yeah. getting on the bandwagon. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been using AI in various capacities forever. I mean, if you use Photoshop, you're using AI in some capacity. If you're uh, using mm. proofreading software, that's artificial intelligence. I mean, it, it's it's baked into everything we do. It's just that we have we now have these large language models that are able to do things that haven't been been done before and can do them quite well. And so now everybody's like, "Oh, wait a second, what's going on here?" Right? And so mm. um, par paradigm shifts. I mean, it. Things happen, and we got to learn how to adapt. Yeah, and and you talk about uh, Photoshop. Have you have you seen any of the uh, gener uh, generative AI going on at the moment? This is insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 wild, man. Mm. I, I mean, it. I was playing around with the the generative fill in Photoshop, and you know, yeah. it, it was mind blowing. Mm. Now there were some, you know, it had its moments. There were some yeah. things it didn't quite do right, but I mean, the, it's just just the beta. <laughs> this is this is the first mm. iteration of this. Just imagine where this will be in a year and two years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've ever used Midjourney, but I um, know shit. I got it. Yeah, that's a AI art generated software. Mm -hmm. And you know, the first iterations of Midjourney. I mean, you would ask it to create images of people, and the people's faces were things out of a nightmare. You know, but now <laughs> you can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't tell the difference between a, a human and a an AI generated piece mm. of. Uh, uh, photography so it's this uh, this stuff is moving really really fast 
And I find I, I personally, I mean, I know some people are terrified by this and, and angered by it, but I find this to be such an endlessly fascinating time to live in right now because I, I I'm 35. What a time so to be alive. I, <laughs> it's a time to be alive. You know, I, I remember what it was like before the internet came along and I, re I, I remember distinctly what it was like. And I now know what it's like to live, you know, in a world that's filled with internet and where the internet is all of our lives are on the internet. And I think the same is true with a lot of this artificial intelligence technology. I think that a lot of us are going to remember what it was like to live before the advent of the AI as we know it today. And it reminds me of the early internet, you know, early two, late nineties, early two thousands. And, uh, that's really exciting to me because I was really young when the early internet came along and I, I wasn't in a position to capitalize on a lot of the the new technology. And I feel like now this is my opportunity to not miss mm. the boat. Yeah. And what a time to be alive. You know, I, I, that's what I, that's what I personally think. I know some people disagree with that, but I, I, mm. I, I think we're going to look back on, on these few years. I, I think we're going to be, it's going to be an interesting, interesting time. Yeah. Hopefully it's a, a bit of hope in, uh, civilization and not the end of it so, as people some are yeah, hopefully there's do, no skynet. prophesying yeah that's it <laughs> yeah no skynet no uh Sentine no robots AI. that are uh ripping yep. us apart or we're, we're on the run hiding from a, a robot overlords I, I i happen to be an optimist i don't think that's going to happen <laughs> i don't think uh you know i don't know that ai is going to usher us into a utopia but i i, I don't think it's going to uh, be the end of civilization either. I just think it's going to be a paradigm shift. Yeah. And uh, you're 35. I think you're stuck uh, 10 years from in the past. You, off of your thinking, you're like uh, 25, mate. So, yeah, still keeping young. So. And on that <laughs> I, note, I gotta uh, stay young. memoir question. When you pass on, what would you like to have been known for? I want to have been known for making a positive difference in people's lives. You know, there's a saying in Christianity that uh, the heaven is within you and you, you, everywhere you go, you should leave a little bit of it behind you. And I really believe that. And if if I can use my gifts to of public speaking and writing to impact someone and touch their lives, that's that's enough for me. That's that's an amazing thing. I mean, I've I've received so many emails and and notes from people around the world where you know, my book had an impact on them. And th that means a lot to me. That's, that's, that's not an insignificant thing. So as far as I'm concerned, um, you can put that on my epitaph today, and I would be happy with it. So being able to impact people, people's lives and, and help them in whatever way they need, you know, you never know what, what sort of impact your book is going to have on someone. They'd be having a horrible day and, um, you know, your book helps them turn it around or, you know, I write a self-help book that helps somebody change their life and transform their, transform their lives and in, into being a successful writer. That's, that lights me up. And so if I can be known for that, that, that is wonderful. Definitely an honor um, having to chat with you, uh, getting to chat with you there, Michael. It's been Thank my, my pleasure, on. Chris. And yeah, I, I got to tell you, I really loved your questions. You know, I, yeah. I get a, I get a lot of podcast interviews, and uh, your questions are so thoughtful. And um, I, I just know that listeners really enjoy listening to you and and the conversations that you're having. So thank you for having me.